Having a versatile, high-quality piece of clothing feels great, but having a whole closet full of favorites feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Welcome into the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reason Sports Network. You can catch us on any of the podcast apps, whether you're Android or Apple. We recommend Spotify because that works on both. But you can also catch us on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. So download the Dash Radio app for free on your phone. Search for Nothing But Net. And we're there every day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific. Also, check out 5reasonsports.com as we speak. There are five new heat pieces that are already up on the site. We are free. Why would anybody charge a paywall here at this point, um, particularly as we're in the NBA Finals? So get all of your content, not just the heat, but also the Marlins in the playoffs, the Dolphins coming off a win, the Hurricanes are ranked eighth overall. Inter-Miami actually has a legitimate star player. Oh, and then there's the Panthers. But anyway, follow all of the other teams on 5reasonsports.com. Also, check out our YouTube channel. We just went over 6,000 subscribers, so we thank you for that original programming, including catching, uh, playing catch-up with Kylie Wang and Tamara Brown. That goes up every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, catching up on everything in South Florida sports. Also, check out the sponsors of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. That includes our friend Mark Brown. This is real estate litigation and transaction law, a law firm that also has a full-service attorney-owned title company. So whether it's commercial or residential, this is the place to go, markbrownpa.com, M-A-R-C, brownpa.com. And they got a special deal here. If you mention five reasons, you get a $295 closing fee on all refinances and purchases. That's right. Mention five reasons, just $295 on the closing fee on all refinances and purchases, handling evictions for landlords and tenants, and also offering flat fee evictions practicing for nearly 15 years. So whatever your real estate needs are in terms of the law side of it, check out markbrownpa.com or call 954-566-5678. Again, that's 954-566-5678, markbrownpa.com. And now today's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sidney, Alex Toledo, and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's the floor plan, not just for today, but for the week. We're going to do things a little bit differently here. We've got a ton of content we want to get to you before Wednesday's game one of the NBA Finals at 9 o'clock Eastern. I'm going to be up in Orlando starting um, actually tonight as we're recording this on Monday. And so what we're going to try to do is just give you as much content on the feeds as we possibly can and also on our YouTube channel. So there will be some shorter episodes here as we conduct these interviews with uh, various people um, that we can contact that we think you'd find interesting. So bringing him back now, along with Alex Toledo, who's here just about every day, uh, bringing him back, I think, for appearance five, appearance six, uh, almost as as many appearances. Well, actually, I think the same number of appearances on five on the floor that the Miami Heat have in the NBA Finals 
Uh, reaching out to our guy, George Sedano, obviously uh, he's ESPN Los Angeles, also ESPN.com, also ESPN TV, and obviously worked here in Miami and uh, grew up down here in Miami. Um, George, Lakers heat, just what you and I talked about the whole year. <laughs> yeah, by the way, I apologize for the uh, ambient sound in the background. I was going to a very quiet park uh, to have this conversation with you. And then the quiet park had construction next door. So I am uh, a little closer to a street on the other side of the park than I would like to be. So I apologize in advance for any car noise. Um, yeah, exactly what we talked about. And as far as my appearances are concerned, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. Too soon? Too soon for that or no? Uh, no, it's not too soon. I mean, I think that could be, I, I mean, it could be, if, if LeBron loses this series, it's not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. Right. Right. Yeah. In a different way. Yes. It, it is in a different way. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I think that you and I saw this season early on as, Hey, get into the playoffs. They should be a three or four seed, you know, maybe a five seed, which they ended up being right. We thought they'd be in the upper half of the Eastern conference playoff picture. And, you know, see what happens, right? You win a first-round series, you get to the second round, you've made some progress. And honestly, I feel like they felt that way, at least initially, right? Like, hey, we can get in there, we get the right matchup, maybe, maybe we can get – we have an outside shot to the Eastern Conference Finals. But then they made the deal in February for Crowder, Nigodala, and Solomon Hill – and I think a lot of people's minds changed at that point. It wasn't just you and me, even though we were kind of at the forefront of that uh, movement where, where it was like, wait, this is a team that feels like they can get to the finals. Now, I don't know if that's going to be possible, but they definitely feel like they're an Eastern Conference finals team. And if they get the Milwaukee matchup now, they feel really ready for it. Uh, so more and more people started to jump on that bandwagon as time went on, particularly after that. But honestly, Ethan, I think you and I discussed this the last time we were on. They got, you know, nobody's been fortunate with this pandemic, but from a basketball reasons perspective, they did in this regard, they got a chance to really implement Iguodala and Crowder uh, and even Hill, I guess, to, to a certain extent into what it is they do. And I think that that has helped Spo and this particular group kind of reach this level where they're at right now. It did give them time to get closer, uh, to kind of uh, go along with your point. Uh, and all of a sudden, Solomon Hill's a part of the rotation, man. They got My three God. rotation players at the deadline. They, they said, we're not playing Kendrick <laughs> Nunn. We're not playing Kelly Olenek. We're not playing Derek Jones Jr. We're not playing you, Myers. <laughs> we're going with Solomon Hill. Yeah, hashtag free solo, right? Like, I think that, that uh, that's where we're at right now. Ethan remembers the old free Eddie House days from, yes, uh, you know, El Elizabeth Riley, Pat's yes. daughter. But, uh, yeah. Like this is minutes versus the Lakers, too. I mean, he might. I mean, listen, you're going to need big bodies, right? And I think I liked what Eric did with Solomon Hill, not to go too far into the weeds here right out of the gate, <laughs> but I, I did like it just because you need size, right? Like you need – if you were going to – Kelly Olynyk, for as good as he's been for this team in these previous series, he just was going to – if he wasn't hitting shots, like there's no reason for him to be out there. At least with Solomon Hill, you know you can defend, he can defend right? So I, at least he can make somebody's life a little tougher on that end. I think right, Hill is another guy who you can throw at, at, at LeBron. Obviously, he won't get a lot of time on him. But you look at the Heat's roster, they have just as many guys as any other team when you're talking about guys that you can throw at them. So I think that is interesting. 
Yeah, I'm not letting you guys get in the Solomon Hill weeds. The I'm Solomon sorry. Hill I, stuff. I'm, we'll I'm, go I'm into looking, that later. I'm looking at George, who's literally in in a bucolic setting here at a park. Uh, probably weeds behind him, but I'm not allowing us to go in the Solomon Hill wheels. We weeds. All right, we'll, we'll get into the matchups here after the break. I, I want to talk narratives um, because people love narratives. Uh, the the network that you work at loves narratives. Uh, I tweeted today that uh, the NBA Finals, the championship, only counts if the Lakers win it. Uh, if the Heat win it, it, it was it doesn't count. Uh, it was because oh, of the I bubble. disagree. I it, disagree with that. I, I'll okay, tell you why I, well, on the, the other def, side. Def, yeah. Defend them because I, I think, wait, ESPN just has a commercial for game eight of the, uh, of the Eastern Conference finals that if Boston can get there, they can still do another feature on Jason Tatum's son and Marcus Smart's grit. Um, just <laughs> try to, I, I, I know you hate when I make you defend your network, but, but just tell me generally, it's not just you guys, it's Fox Sports, it's everybody else. It does feel like that to me. Like the Heat are this imposter team that has kind of crashed the party it was about the Giannis nuggets. it was it was about Boston and now it's about the Lakers am I wrong we'll do it on the other side don't you have to do hit a break here let's do it on the other side That's no, no 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 we're getting to the stats we're getting the matchups after the break we're talking narrative oh, right here, okay I, okay so here's what I would say if LeBron James loses another NBA finals you kind of joked about it earlier you don't think that is a monster story like like, I, and, and people will give the Heat credit for that. And there, because the narratives are already built in, right? Like, how many times are you going to see the Pat Riley thing from 2014 about, you know, you don't just run out the door. If you have the guts, you stay, all that stuff. And, and, and so I, I think that that is a big, big story. Like, I don't think it becomes – I think it becomes the Heat are the 2004 Pistons and LeBron now has lost another NBA Finals. I think that absolutely is what the story becomes if the Heat win. So is it so is the primary storyline in your view, because there are a lot of them. Okay. Um, there is obviously there, there's some matchup stuff we're going to talk about. That's fascinating with AD and bam, two guys who went to the same school. You got three Kentucky guys mm-hmm. in the rotation, obviously, or not in the rotation, three, three star level players. I mean, Tyler's entering that, that uh, right. stratosphere, you know, I, I, obviously you have Jimmy and LeBron from a basketball standpoint, and you have Spo and LeBron, and there's lots we're going to talk about with that. But it does feel to me like the primary narrative is Riley oh, LeBron, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, – that yeah. I mean, listen, it's what I'll play up today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to do a radio show in Los Angeles, and I, I think that that is the story that resonates the most. You know what I'm saying? Pat Riley, you know, the godfather, right? And just the way he has um, rebuilt this team after losing LeBron, right? Which, let's face it. That's unprecedented. <laughs> you know, we saw what happened to Cleveland the first two or the two times since he's left. Uh, it's disastrous. You know, I mean, we can make the case that outside of those Mark Price, uh, Craig Elo, uh, Brad Doherty teams that, you know, LeBron is the only thing that's made that, that franchise relevant, you know? So I, I do think that them being able to get back to this point without him is, is a big deal. And I think it's going to get played up that aspect of it. Will it get played up? I think the Spolster aspect of it will get played up by people that know basketball. Um, I tweeted about this, you know, constantly, but yesterday specifically, like if you still have any doubts about Spo, like you just need to come to grips with it, that he's the best coach in the league right now. And that's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you on that. I, w- I want to read you. Um, I-, I reposted. Uh, we talk about Riley and LeBron, and I reposted the column that I wrote in 2015 um, after LeBron left and Pat was still raging against the dying of the light, right? And <laughs> the-, the column I wrote for Bleacher Report, and there were a bunch of quotes that got attention out of this, but, but this to me um, was-, was the primary quote. Um, 
that's the most thing, most surprising thing for me is how those generational teams stay together. The players stay together. They know what they have. They see what they've won. They see that there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment here and they don't want to leave that. You may never get it again. That was almost shocking to me that the players would allow that to happen. And I'm not just saying LeBron. I mean, the players themselves would allow them to get to a state where a guy would want to go home or whatever it is. So maybe I'm just dealing with contemporary type of player. You know what I find fascinating guys, Eric Spolstra has incorporated this. He has these certain things he talks about, right? Like, you know, where he wants to take a stand. So obviously everything with black lives matter, we believe in, and that's legitimate. He has this other thing about how coaches are always getting screwed. His new thing I've noticed he's used it in the last three zoom calls he's done is about the AAU type of player. Yes. Have you noticed yes, that? Yes. This is like, this is like his new thing. And, and he even said it, it to distinguish Bam when, and when I tweeted it, everybody's like, well, Bam did play AAU. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it almost seems to be, maybe it's not intended this way, but a kind of a shot at the LeBron AAU culture, which is interesting to me also because I, I did a, a long piece. George, you probably remember, I did a sit down with LeBron for his 30th birthday where he kind of raged against AAU culture in his wake. Mm -hmm. um, well, and by the way, do, by the way, Kobe Bryant hated AAU culture too. No, no, he was the other one, yeah. but that, right. But LeBron sort of piggybacked on Kobe with that. But I, I just find it interesting because the larger point here is there's been this subtweeting that's gone on between Riley Spo and LeBron over the years. Mm -hmm. Where do, you, where do you think, now that you've covered LeBron over there, I covered LeBron in Cleveland. Obviously, we've all been around Riley and Spo. Where do you think it stands between the three of them? Oh, I think they all want to annihilate each other. <laughs> I mean, that's if I had to guess, and again, I haven't had this conversation directly with any of the three guys, but I think they want to just, you know, destroy each other. Like, don't forget that LeBron told Dave McMiniman after he won in Cleveland that it was Pat who told him. He revealed that it was Pat that said, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. So mm -hmm. I think that, you know, LeBron, that was kind of a little bit of a knife in, in Pat's, uh, you know, uh, gut there a little bit, a little Game of Thrones, right? And, and I think, and, you know, didn't Pat uh, text LeBron? And apparently, I don't know if he ever got anything back. I don't, I don't, I think that Pat revealed that he never heard back from him, but he felt that he finally understood um, and, you know, I know on Dwayne's last game, they had an embrace, which I think was nice. Um, but I don't think there's any love lost there. LeBron's people, you know this, Ethan, because you've been around LeBron's people before. They say it. They're like, um, you know, we know what Riles is about. You're either with Riles or you're against Riles. And that's, that's the same attitude that the whole franchise takes. And by, honestly, that's the attitude LeBron takes too. The funny thing about LeBron and Pat specifically, and I think Spo is – is less so of this because he's just more contemporary, even though he's still ingrained in the culture and all that stuff with the heat. He's just not as um, vindictive, I guess, as Pat yeah. is probably the best way to describe it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that the thing with Pat and LeBron is that the biggest thing that I've noticed that uh, about the two is that their drive is incredible and they are the same guy. There's a mirror image of each other in a lot of ways. There's a reason LeBron, when he left Miami, brought Mike Miller over and James Jones over, right? Because he wanted to instill that culture. You were there, Ethan, when, uh, you know, Deion Waiters was there for like seven minutes, it felt like. There was a game in Portland where Kyrie had one assist and Deion Waiters and him were playing terribly. And, you know, there was that big blow up after the game. That was year one in Cleveland or the mm -hmm. return to Cleveland. Yeah, I was in So, Portland. yeah. So, it, 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 there, there's a lot 
with those guys that is the same. And it's no different than when we look at ourselves, right? You know, the, the old adage uh, that like uh, shrinks or psychologists or whatever like to use is you see the flaws in yourself and others, right? Yeah. Or you see the traits of yourself in others. And yep. it, sometimes it bothers you. Um, and I think that's what's happening with those two. Even to the point today in this day and age where I think that there's, they've even had a bit of a metamorphosis. And what I mean by that is this, for the first time in LeBron's career, he is actively invested in someone else's success. And I'm not saying that he hasn't been a good teammate because that, that is not what I'm saying. And you, you know that. I mean, LeBron was a great teammate to guys in Miami. Yeah. Um, and, and pretty much for the most part in Cleveland. I know he had his issues with Kyrie at times. But to my point, he knows that at 35, he's going to be 36 in three months, he needs Anthony Davis. Even though he's still the best player on the planet, he needs Anthony Davis to kind of be able to ascend to that next level. And he is an active participant in trying to create that both on the floor and off the floor. And it was different in other stops. Mm-hmm. In my in first time in Cleveland, he had nothing. He was a kid. Second, you know, in Miami, he, those guys were his peers. And if anything, he looked up to a lot of those guys like Dwayne and, and Ray and those guys. Then back in Cleveland, conquering hero, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Him and Kyrie were like taking turns. They kind of butted heads, the stuff with Kevin Love, the passive aggressive stuff. I think eventually guys, other than Kyrie, kind of saw it his way. But he's learned from all those experiences and understands himself now and understands that he needs to help this guy in order to help himself. And I think Pat has learned that in a lot of ways too because Pat, as you know this, Ethan, was an unbelievable micromanager, okay? Yes. Like to the point of like the things that would go on the jumbotron well, would the go color, past the his colors desk. Of, the colors of the towels in the hotel. Um, the, the yeah. uh, I mean- Correct. I, I mean, I, I, I mean he, he had, I mean, the trophies being engraved, the tro- the, uh, a, a sort of a cutout of the trophy being engraved in the, in the showers in the outside, outside the locker room everything yeah. but you're right but but i i want i want to get into but, but let me let me just finish okay. let me just finish the, the similarity pat over the last couple of years what has he done even though he is still the guy that has final say he's embraced having the people that he's hired around him who are all great at their job right, right. eric chet camera uh adam simon andy ellisberg he's allowed those guys to really do their job you know, for the first time over the last several years. And it's gotten him to this point. So much like LeBron is, act, is an active participant in letting Anthony Davis develop to allowing him to reach great heights again, Pat has done the same with the Heat and that staff. Yeah, no doubt. I think the other thing you talk about, um, the thing that both of them prize above everything else is, is absolute loyalty. Mm-hmm. Now they express it in different ways. Right. Um, to Pat, I think one of the fascinating thing that's, things that's happened over the past month or two is that all of these Heat guys are getting interviews other places because this used to be a Hotel California situation. Like, you check in, but you can never leave. Right. right. Like, I mean, there are people who've left the Heat organization who've never been spoken to again, okay? I mean, that's – Jeff Bizdelic. Jeff Bizdelic <laughs> is a great example. But, yeah. but there, there are others, and now all of a sudden you got Adam Simon being courted. you got Dan Craig being courted. It's, it's a different deal. It, it's more of a spolstra – you talk about empowering someone. He's empowered Eric. It's more of a Spolster yeah. organization than it ever was in Correct. a lot of ways. The development yes. culture, all those other things. But, but I do think that they both prize loyalty. I mean, LeBron's starting with his quote-unquote team, the people around him. I yeah. mean, th- the other thing about it is they both have rabbit ears about the other. 
And mm-hmm. I experienced that experience that in 2014-15. Oh, yeah, I mean, he would ask you, right? They would all ask. They would both sides would ask you about each other. Yes. Yeah. Both I mean, sides what, would ask you about each other. what the what the what the bleep did Ryle say about me now? I mean, this was right. this was going on all the time. Now I wasn't encountering Pat directly a lot, but trust me, this stuff gets back to me and and did through other other people. Um, you know, sort of monitoring what LeBron was doing. I, I mean, you're right. I mean, in a lot of ways, and I also think that what makes this series so fascinating is that is that Jimmy Butler is what Pat Riley wanted LeBron to be in mm-hmm. Miami. He wanted him to buy in completely to the culture. And you talk about that press conference and, and the press conference with it got the guts and everything. The press conference that pissed LeBron and his people off because Pat revealed that savannah was savannah was having a baby <laughs> okay and and that i mean i was my phone was lighting up as soon as i left that press conference like why the f did he talk about that because i think pat believed that the relationship there was stronger than yes. it actually was and that's yes. why i i, I can't it might have been me i can't remember all these press cards i think it was me who asked about his relationship with lebron and he described it as a texting relationship now he didn't have a texting relationship with Zoe. He didn't have a texting relationship with Patrick, with Magic, mm-hmm. with Kareem, yeah. right. um, with Dwayne. Well, texting well you exists. could have back then. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you could. There were no texting. <laughs> but also, he was, yeah. he was coaching those guys, which is, makes right. it different. But, sure. but, he, but he didn't have – but with LeBron, it never advanced. I feel like I, I watched him and Jimmy, you know, just communicate. And, and you, Alex, you watched it. You were up there with me. In, in Palm Beach, I have pictures of him, of him and Jimmy, Pat and Jimmy on the side communicating. Like Jimmy bought into him immediately. LeBron, mm-hmm. there was this element of distrust. I also think, the, and, and also Le, there's this other thing that happened with LeBron there, and I think we should address it. Over time in Miami, he became, the way it was described to me was more and more Afrocentric over his time in Miami. And the way that was described to me was it became more about empowerment. Okay, for the black community, which is his totally his right, but he mm-hmm. wasn't going to necessarily buy into the mythology, okay, of of the white dude running the organization. He just wasn't like I, LeBron was always cordial with me and everything else. Like I don't think it's he has an issue, you know, dealing with white reporters or white players. He doesn't, okay, but he wasn't going to buy into the Riley mythology, okay, not and so I, I don't I I just think always there was always going to be this wall between them. And then that came up and flared up with the 2014 thing where basically he was like, look, I'm going to do what the F I want. Like I'm responsible for the championships, not Pat. Dwayne's responsible for bringing me here, not Pat. Okay. And if I want to right. watch soccer, when right. he flies out to Vegas, I'm going to watch soccer. Right. Uh, and you know, he was right about the other stuff. I mean, not giving him the, you know, the proper attention, um, is just more of a manners thing. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Than anything else. Uh, so that would probably be the one thing that I think I would disagree with LeBron on, but he's right. Um, he did help win the championships. He was the biggest reason, right? There's not even, that's not a debate. Uh, Dwayne did get him there. Um, and Pat took a lot of the credit for it. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm not saying that Pat didn't have anything to do with it, but the overriding reasons were absolutely those first two. And, and, and I could see where that would annoy him. You know what I'm saying? In a lot of ways, like, wait a second. Um, I'm the guy that's making this happen and we're the guys making it happen. So he, he, I think he said it, right. Didn't he say it when he came back to Miami one time uh, with the Cavs that it was something like, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something like, 
Um, you know, you guys, uh, you know, you guys don't like it when we do things, you know, they can trade us. Right. Right. And, right, and, right. Yeah. It was right. something to that effect. But that's, but, again, if we move, but that, but again, George, it's a player empowerment. empowerment. It's But that is, that is his, Ethan, that is as much as he is arguably the greatest player from a skill perspective to ever play the game His other, the other part of his legacy is that, is that he yep. really, um, made that possible like the player empowerment movement not just in basketball because now we've seen it in other sports too but i think in general of this generation like that that is where he uh where his legacy will reside uh, alongside just the the prowess on the basketball floor all right we're gonna we're gonna get into the matchups here in a second particularly ad and lebron but one more quick topic i want to get to and i want to mention mm -hmm. the, the lebron spolster relationship i do think that the respect there from lebron is greater Mm -hmm. Maybe it is even towards Pat. And, and I felt that, that, again, the year in Cleveland, where LeBron basically started parroting everything he'd ever heard from Eric Spolstra. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and I do think as he started to deal with different coaches, particularly the first one, David Blatt. Blatt, okay? yeah. <laughs> okay, the fighter pilot, right? I, I remember being right in front of Blatt for that quote. Um, and, and not listening to Blatt at all, but also the way that Blatt responded to it, which was different than the way Spolstra responded to it. Uh, which was kind of whining through the media about it, that there became more respect for Eric over time. And yeah. I think although, although LeBron won't totally admit this, I think he knows that Eric Spolster is the best coach he's ever played for. And, and, I, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I think the numbers, you know, again, that bear that out. And he's playing now for a coach in Frank Vogel who he didn't much respect because I remember the conversations I had with him about it during those Heat Pacers series, okay? And to be honest, at the time, Eric didn't much respect because uh, there's some stories behind the scenes about that, which I know you're familiar with. And that's why when Alex and I were amused when uh, I think we were, we were there when the Caius at Summer League and they were practicing in this back gym and all of a sudden, like, Vogel walked in to give Spolster a hug and we're like, wait a second, okay, I guess, I guess things have smoothed over over the years. So the, I, I do think that the Spolstra... Uh, relationship with LeBron. And I do think Spo has enormous respect for I had co many conversations with Spolster about LeBron and the sense that I got was, was not any anger or frustration with LeBron like there was with Pat. It, it was kind of more of a melancholy that it didn't mm -hmm. last longer. Um, yeah. and, and kind of a questioning about, you know, he wanted to know how he was doing and how things were going up there and all the rest of that stuff. Like, I think he genuinely, it, LeBron, Eric sees the best in people. I don't yes. know that the other two guys in the equation, Riley and LeBron, always do. Does so I agree sense? with that. Yes, agree with it wholeheartedly. It's kind of what I alluded to earlier when I said the three of them would like to annihilate each other. But from a Spolster perspective, it's not a personal thing. It's a competition thing because he's a competition-aholic, right? Whereas perhaps between LeBron and Pat, it could be personal still. Like um, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's it. But with Eric, I... This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, 
flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. I think it's just the competition. I mean, he said it best yesterday, right? We didn't come here to just celebrate this part. You know what I'm saying? Like we came to win. <laughs> so I, I think that there's that aspect of it. And yeah, Ethan, I think that looking back, he has to. LeBron, look, the one thing you and I both know about LeBron is that he might be the smartest basketball player um, that we've ever come across, right? In regards to just understanding the game and the historical context and all that stuff, there's a lot of guys in that conversation, but I think he's probably near the top and he has to look back at his career and say, yeah, at the time I didn't probably understand it, but now that I see what he does, um, you know, from afar, I think he respects it. Look, I'll never forget when he, um, when he came and played that game in Miami this year, uh, or this past season, whatever, I don't know, whatever, this season. Uh, it feels like 7,000 years ago, but he... It was 10 it months was, ago. It was a long time yes. ago. Um, I was there for the game, and he said, um, you know, they asked him about how tough the game was, and he's like, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't expect anything different. I know what that organization is about on the other side. You know what I mean? Like, they're never going to give up. You know, they're going to fight you to the nail basically to the end. Like, I'm paraphrasing, but that was the conversation. So there is a respect for what Eric does. I don't think there's any question about it. Yeah, and he also said I had him on Bleacher Report Radio after they lost the finals in 2015, and the Heat had made some off-season moves. And LeBron on that show basically went on and on about how much he loved the moves, okay, and he loved the Winslow pick, and he this. I mean, he done. Is that Mari and Joe Green? He would. Yes. Well, that team. Yes. Right. Exactly. But he was he was paying attention. That's the thing, and and he has paid attention to them since. And I don't think this is the team he really wants to see on the other side for some reasons. We're going to get into it a second after this word from Safe Cubbies. I want to introduce you to another of the great new sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and it is a sponsor that would be important in any time if you want to have a beautiful workspace, but it's especially important now when you need a safe one as well, and that's safecubbies.com, which offers modular office solutions designed to elevate your open office into a modern and safe environment at any budget. You can personalize your workspace with options like whiteboards, magnetic panels, acrylic sheets, and graphic branding. Most of the surfaces are non-porous for easy cleaning and can be removed or replaced within minutes. Now, this is for workplaces. They've got a bunch of different options on their professional series, but also they've got private room solutions, dividers and sneeze guards, and they have a classroom series as well. So if you're involved with the school, this is definitely something your school should check out, of course, if we have school in the fall. And that's the point here. We are entering a new normal period with COVID-19, safe safecubbies.com, which is locally owned, is the place that you want to go. The phone number is 754-216-1071. Again, that's 754-216-1071 or safecubbies.com. All right, back on five on the floor, Alex Salito and George Sedano from ESPN. All right, George, let's get right to it. Um, we're going to talk two players here and that's it. LeBron James and mm -hmm. Anthony Davis. You, you've obviously watched uh, LeBron this year, I, in some senses, kind of conserve himself uh, for this sort of moment. Uh, there were some questions when he got to the bubble about his lift. I, I don't know if those questions really are applicable anymore. 
But the other thing that we're certainly going to get into on a bunch of episodes here is that the Miami Heat seem to have a team that's built to at least frustrate him, not, not contain him, but frustrate him. You, you have uh, a very competitive defender in Jay Crowder. You have Andre Iguodala, who literally won a finals MVP for his work guarding him, even though he had ridiculous stat line. You, you, have, uh, you, you have Jimmy Butler, who is, is one, I would say Jimmy Butler is one of the 10 players in the league that LeBron most respects. Um, and every time he speaks about him, you can sense that. And you have Bam Adebayo, who is the freak big that, before he got Anthony Davis, is probably the guy that LeBron James would fit best with, uh, who's going to be defending him. And then you throw in Derek Jones Jr. as a fifth. So, th- I mean, they've got five guys to throw at him. How do you think that goes? Um, I-, I think that they will throw looks at him um, that will frustrate him at times. I still think he's at the peak of his powers. Now, Whatever he's lost, and I know you mentioned the lift stuff earlier. I don't think that's representative now. But, I mean, look, he's 35. You know what I mean? So, what has he lost at, from an athleticism standpoint? A quarter step, a third of a step? You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever that is, there is – I think that kind of really kind of shows itself more when he's trying to take guys off the dribble at the top of the key specifically. But, uh, you know, where defenses can kind of key in on him. But I still think that – he just thinks ahead of the game so far, right? Like he can see things developing. Um, he's one of those guys, Ethan, that you know, because uh, you've seen it, <laughs> where he'll tell the opponent, hey, you're, you're running the wrong you're, – you're not running the play right. You should be standing here. This is going to happen, and this guy's coming off a curl here. Like he, him and Rasheed Wallace are the two guys I've actually seen do that in a game to an opponent, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Actually, there's a third. It's Rondo. I saw Rondo do it once in – uh, in Boston. So like, he's just that good at knowing what the opponent is going to do. Um, I do think that the team that would have given him the most trouble uh, by far would have been the Clippers, just because you have two ultra high elite defenders on the perimeter. And as good as Miami is in bunches, they don't have that. Right. And, but it doesn't mean they can't take away stuff that the Clippers did. Right. Like I would, if I were Eric, I'd be looking at what uh, Kawhi, and Paul and Doc did to LeBron where he shot only 37% against them in four games. And I'd also look at what they did in the fourth quarters to Anthony Davis. Uh, Davis, I think in four games only scored 10 total points in the fourth quarter. So those would be things that I would look at. Um, I do think they have guys that, yeah, can, can absolutely make things a little more challenging for him. But I, I just think, you know, and I said this about Eric actually recently too. Uh, so I'll use the same analogy. They're kind of like Neo in the Matrix. They've already seen everything uh, before. Like there, there are a few things that will surprise them at this stage. So, uh, you know, where Neo stops the bullets in the movie, I feel like both Eric and LeBron in some ways can stop the bullets at this point. So, George, you're talking about all the guys here that you can, you can kind of throw at LeBron. I have a stat here. Lowest field goal percentage allowed since 2013-14 as the closest defender versus LeBron James. There's a minimum of 75 field goal attempts. Jimmy and Jay Crowder, numbers two and three on there, 41% and 42% respectively. And again, this is going to come down to one-on-one matchups. We all know this right. is going to be a team defensive game plan. But it is, it is interesting that those percentages uh, play out the way they do. What I did want to ask about Well, was, I'm going to steal that stat, by the way. That's okay. a good stat. 
Okay, it's actually it's actually an ESPN stat, so I don't know if it's stealing. Oh, so it already might be. It might, yeah, it's not stealing that. It's probably in my packet that I haven't read yet. <laughs> but but isn't Andre in that mix too? I, I saw another another one that was thrown out there. Another tweet today that uh, Andre's in that. Like they have three of the top five or something along those lines. I, maybe it's not the exact same numbers, but I mean they certainly have the guys. Yeah, I mean I, I, they certainly have the guys. Um, I I think honestly the big difference here uh, is going is look the difference between LeBron and Giannis and whoever else they've faced, Jason Tatum, is that LeBron, as I mentioned, can think the game through better because he's seen so many things. Yep. And he's just a way better passer than any of those guys, you know? So he's going to – I'm not saying you can't turn him over because clearly he can get, be turned over, but as any player can. But I do think that he is just better at recognizing things than the guys they've faced to this point. It's just a different level is what I would say. So it's interesting that you say that because uh, what I did want to ask about was the defensive game plan that I think Spo is going to throw at the Lakers. I don't think there's going to be one, just like there wasn't one versus the Celtics. You know, we all right. talked about the zone. Everybody talked about the zone, and that was probably the separator between the two. But there was a there was a variety of stuff thrown at the Celtics. I think we're going to see some similar stuff. But you look at the Lakers, man. I know you would know this just as well as anyone. Their shooters are not that deadly. And no. I, I was just looking at a stat where they were kind of looking at the points per possessions of all their highest volume spot of shooters. Not very good, especially when you compare them to the Heat. I think there's going to be some type of defensive game plan where they're going to see maybe uh, stretches of zone, not for too long, because I know LeBron and AD eventually will pick apart the zone once they start getting into the middle there. And then Dwight Howard and JaVale are going to get a ton of offensive rebounds, and it's not going to look like something you can do for long stretches of time. But even when they're not running zone, when they're doing the man stuff and, and, and everything else, I think they're going to have some sort of game plan. It's going to be just about packing the paint, making sure LeBron and AD work every time they're trying to get in there, and then just kind of let the shooters beat you because I really don't think any of those guys are deadly. And I know Danny Green is their best shooter. He's been around 35% all year. So even then, it's like the math might still work out in their direction if you allow them to take more threes than points in the paint. That would be the – I actually, Ethan and I, have, Ethan and I have talked about this a little bit, I think, uh, off the air too, which is that would be the matchup. That would be what I would do if I were Eric. I would pack the paint. Anthony Davis's most inefficient shot, and it's a shot that he loves to take, interestingly enough, is the mid-range jumper come from like free throw line extended, right? And he's not great at it. And he's great at everything else, though. <laughs> um, you know, I know you can look at his three-point numbers and be like, ah, they're not that good. But there's, like, this crazy stat of, like, when he takes a three-pointer, literally with the tippy toes right on the line, he's, like, 40-something percent, like, 42, 43% or something ridiculous like he that. He tries to he's, do more than he, than he can in the mid-range, where I feel like in the three, he's just setting and taking the correct, shot. Correct, correct. He's more Which is why the zone, situation. the zone might be effective for a little while versus him because it kind of makes him take some of those middies that he, that he really likes taking. Right, right. So I think that – but I think packing the paint is the way to go. I would say – let LeBron and AD get what they're going to get, right? And stay on their shooters because they're not that good. They were ranked, I think, 23rd this season in three-point percentage as a team. I think the big difference for the Lakers as opposed to these teams that Miami has faced, now they saw some of this with Boston, right? Um, but the Lakers defense has been really, really good this year, like really good, like elite level good. And I'll give Frank Vogel this credit. Uh, two things. One, he got LeBron to buy in defensively. Uh, very quickly. And I think that that uh, was something that I was surprised by when we all saw LeBron guarding in November, right? Which we hadn't seen really, really since like 2013. 
So I, I think that he deserves credit there. The other thing when we go into the matchups, and this is a coaching aspect of it, so sorry for veering off a little bit. The one thing Vogel has gotten better at that he wasn't really someone – he wasn't someone that would make crazy in-game adjustments all the time uh, when he was with Indiana or Orlando, at least none that came to my mind. Since I've been watching him here in L.A., he's become less conservative. He literally will start different people, not only in different games, but from half to half if he feels it's necessary uh, to create better spacing for LeBron and A.D. So uh, I, I do think that this Frank Vogel is a different version than the one that the Heat saw, you know, six, seven years ago, whatever it's been. All right, we're going to get more into AD here to close this thing out. Before we do, we'll tell you about another sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's Biscayne Bay Brewing, the official craft beer of Inner Miami, the Miami Marlins, and, of course, us, the Five Reasons Sports Network. This is Florida's South Florida's actual independent brewery. They're the ones not owned by anybody else. They're owned by local guys who employ people in this community to make their beer right here in South Florida. These guys are committed to our community and to supporting Five Reasons Sports, so we can keep bringing you all the local sports content that you can handle. If you care about supporting local business, drinking amazing beer grab their stuff marlins lager miami pale ale or tropical bay ipa at all major retailers throughout south florida i'm bringing some with me up to the bubble well, not actually inside the bubble but to my hotel room uh, so i got something to do for the next couple of days it's the only beer we're drinking at five reason sports make sure to tag them at biscayne bay brew with your beer because they're very active on social media and you'll get briefly famous all right let's get to this in two minutes here george we've got anthony davis and LeBron James, and you, talk, you touched on, on Anthony there a little bit. Um, I feel like the only big in the league uh, that I would feel somewhat comfortable chasing Anthony Davis around with is the other guy from Kentucky, mm -hmm. uh, which is Bam Adebayo. Um, we just saw the Bam breakout that I think we're all waiting for in, in game six of the Eastern Conference Finals. And, you know, Bam has gone from he's not a star, he's not an all-star, to all of a sudden now is this guy already emerging as a top 20, 25 player in the league. Uh, what can Bam do against him specifically? And would you – how much would you put Bam on Anthony Davis? Or, or do the, the Heat gonna need to roll some extra bigs if Dwight's going to play, if McGee's going to play, if, if L.A.'s going to go a little bit bigger? I think if you're the Heat, you may need to play more bigs because they're going to try to play JaVale – and Dwight. I think that they're going to try to play to their strengths. Um, but I think Miami's got some versatility, particularly with their bigs, as we know. And I know Myers hasn't played in a while. Uh, and Kelly didn't play much in these last couple of games with Boston. But the one area I think the Lakers struggle is when teams can spread them out, right, defensively. Because all of a sudden, if you're making Dwight and JaVale guard on the perimeter, mm -hmm. I think that that creates some challenges. Now, Houston tried to do that. The problem is Houston's biggest player is like six, seven. Right. And I think that that, uh, that, that is a different, uh, you know, animal there altogether. But I think that Bam would be the guy uh, that I would try to put on him. And I would um, at least I would, I'm trying to think about this. Let me think. Cause I'm trying to think what they would do too. So I would probably start him on Dwight or JaVale or whoever's starting. Right. But I would eventually, I would absolutely throw him on Anthony um, once the next big comes in, right? Like if you have a situation where you're playing Kelly O with him, I think that you you let Kelly deal with whoever is going to be out there on the floor as the traditional center in Dwight or JaVale, and then you put Bam on AD. But I think Eric may have to go to that lineup more, but it's going to be really important for Olenek and, and Myers if he's in there 
to hit those shots. I think that that would be something that they're going to have to do. I just don't think they have enough size. Uh, well, you know, maybe Solomon Hill, right, would be one of those guys. Here we go where you could, You know, where you could find – not to get into the Solomon weeds, um, but I, I do think that, that might, he might be able to help you there a little bit, right, uh, whether it's guarding one of the two centers for a few minutes or guarding AD or at least just staying in front of him. Remember, he did play with AD, so he is familiar – with AD's game. Oh, uh, true. Good point. So I think that there is some familiarity there. Now, AD has become a better player since then. So, you know, because at 27, he's now kind of starting to hit the peak of his powers. But I do think that there is some guys they can throw at him. I don't think he's an ideal matchup for anyone outside of Bam, though. Um, and I think that's that's the huge challenge. But, you know, we got to give Bam a lot of credit, man. Like, the, you mentioned it before we started, Ethan this particular question. I mean, he had a tremendous game yesterday. He is only the fourth player in heat history to go for 30, 10 and five, or at least 30, 10 and five in a playoff game. The other three names are LeBron, Dwayne Wade and Shaq. Like you have to understand what this kid is doing at only 23 years old. And he had like three or four straight possessions where he like, I mean, he had that crazy dunk, right. Um, on Tice. Then he hit him with like a hezzy right? With like a jumper. And then he had that crazy wraparound pass with, uh, uh, to Jimmy, right? Late in the fourth quarter. All those things happened one after the other, after the other, after the other. Like he really took over the game in a way that I think um, surprised me even a little bit, even though I've seen a lot of his growth from year to year. I wanted to ask another thing. You're talking about AD here. I think one thing that the Heat are going to are going to give up no matter what happens, no matter what game plan they throw out, is offensive rebounding towards the Lakers. And I think yeah. that's kind of the one thing that I'm really keying in on because that, that's not really something that we talk about much when we talk about analysis. But this is one where it just really, really stands out because one mm -hmm. team is so obviously big, the other team's running small, and the matchup thing becomes a little bit tough because it's like, well, Bam's guarding the, the big man. Uh, I guess that's Jay Crowder on AD, and I think that's why we're going to see – a lot of zone because zone is another thing that gives up a lot of offensive rebounding. So I, I wonder if Spo looks at it like, well, if we're going to be giving up those offensive rebounds anyway, might as well uh, throw in a defensive game plan that kind of right. prioritizes those three-point shots being taken and, and the paint being crowded. Right. I just think that's why this whole matchup is so complex. It's like it could go so many different ways because I do trust LeBron to figure out a zone within two, three minutes if he's on the floor, right? Like I do think we're going to see AD get doubled a lot. And I think that's something that we've seen him get, you know, happen to him in the playoffs already. But the Heat don't really have a lot of options other than to do that and to run the zone. What I'm, what I'm really asking here is how do you feel about how effective AD will be? Can they really mitigate what he does as well as LeBron? You know what I'm saying? Like, can they contain the both of them no, and the offensive no. rebounding? No, I don't think they can contain all that. Um, and I think that becomes – like, if, if you're asking me – and I haven't made an official pick yet because I'm still kind of mulling it over, to be honest mm. with you. Um, and I won't until tomorrow uh, because uh. I'm being asked on ESPN.com to make a pick by tomorrow at uh, 6 o'clock Eastern. But um, I do think, like, if the Lakers were to win, I think the biggest reason will be Anthony Davis. Um, and that's not a slight at LeBron. It's what we talked about earlier. It's LeBron is an active participant in the growth of Anthony Davis. And I think that LeBron may still win MVP, but I think that the player that will have made, in my opinion, if the Lakers were to win, that make the biggest impact will be uh, AD. Um, because I think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to put a, a toll on Bam 
um, to have to guard both AD potentially and those bigs and keep them out and as, as good as they are rebounding the ball, it, it's just a lot to ask of him uh, at this stage. And I, I, think, I think this, right? And I, man, like, I, I was just asked a question on ESPN.com last week. We did, like, a, one of those poll questions with our experts, right? And one of the questions was, who has the brightest future in the East? And I picked – you could pick three teams, and I picked the Heat one. Um, mostly oh. because – mostly because – Not the Sixers. Not the Sixers. I actually <laughs> had the Sixers third. Uh, in that list behind the Celtics. Um, I don't – and people are like, well, why didn't you pick Brooklyn? I just don't trust Kyrie to stay healthy, to be honest with you, um, for a long stretch of time. And I don't know – I think Kevin Durant, if he's healthy, might be the best player on the planet, but I don't know. He's coming off an Achilles. You know what I mean? I got to see it first. So I picked Miami, Boston, and then Philly uh, with just kind of an asterisk on the nets. And, and I think it's that. It's just the growth that I've seen from Bam, the leaps and bounds he's taken both figurative, figuratively and literally. What we've seen from Hero here now uh, is, is something that I don't think any of us really expected. And, and now you've already done the hard part, right? The hard part is finding two guys that can be potential franchise cornerstones. And that's like when the Heat had weight, right? Like they were able to attract free agents because they had Dwayne. They got LeBron and Chris. So now they're going to go into 21 free agency with those two guys. They're going to land somebody and it's going to be somebody good. <laughs> so, you know, their outlook is go And if it is Giannis, then I really feel like they're going to hog up some championships potentially. So I, I think that, you know, even though I, there is, you know, the Lakers are an overwhelming favorite, uh, all the numbers, right, the ESPN basketball power index, all the analytics probably say the Lakers have a pretty damn good chance of winning this thing. I still think that at the very least, this is an unbelievable learning experience for Bam and Hero and some of these guys that are going to be on this roster moving forward because you, this type of, like, championship experience is invaluable, man. Like, you then now know what it, what takes it takes to get there and to then eventually win if you do happen to lose. And, and I just think that that kind of stuff, man, is, is big, you know? And, and I think we, we saw it a little bit with Dwayne and Udonis and those guys when they lost to the Pistons in 2005. And they – now, look, a lot of that was Dwayne's rib, right, more than anything else. But I still think that losing to that Pistons team that was a champion the year before, right – I think that that experience really, really catapulted Dwayne and Udonis to a different level when but they had be, to play the next time. More than that, George, it was, it was, to me, it was the 04 series against Indiana. I mean, I, I, I always point to that one. I mean, we, we forget how good that Pacer team was. That, no, mean, they were very good. And yeah, you're I right. Mean, that is, that, that, that was, is a that good a one. But, but it was a caliber team. That, that sure, but derailed. it was the second round, Ethan. It's not the yeah, same no, no, as no, losing I, in the Eastern I, Conference I, Finals. I get it, but they played them to six games. You're talking about a team that had, at that point, you know, Ron Artest and Jermaine O'Neal were top 15 were players. Were elite at that players at that were time, elite, yes. and, you, and you had a, a Reggie Miller who was an older guy but was still contributing, and, and that was a, a pretty deep roster. And yeah. that was a team, if, if not for Malice and the Palace, that, that's, to me that was the best Indiana team. It was a better Indiana team than the Paul George, Danny Granger teams, for sure. Yes. Um, yeah. and Roy Hibbert teams. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that experience played into it. But, yeah, you can't replicate what this team has just gone. It's not just that they've gone deep in the playoffs. It's that they've been together for two months, and, and they've come right. out the other side of this thing. Right. Uh, there is 
to me, they accelerated this process by two full seasons. I mean, they're already there. Uh, and, Agreed. and so, so we won't make you make a pick here, but, uh, and Alex and I are not going to make them either. Um, well, we'll I'll put see. it on Twitter. I will put it on Twitter. No, I know It'll you be won't. On, I, I, yeah. I, and, and, I, I and here's the last thing on BAM. Yes. Um, I talked to Udonis before the bubble started and I asked him about like, who's the next guy? Like, who's the guy, like the keeper, you know, of the culture, all that, this, that, and the other. And he says, the next guy is BAM. He's like, I'm almost positive it's going to be Bam. Like, he is just made differently. And I think that everything that he's done, everything that he has said in this bubble um, to the media, including yesterday when he was interviewed by Rachel, um, just shows me that, God, he absolutely is in the mold of Zoe and Udonis and, you know, Dwayne and all these guys. Like, he is he's absolutely cut from that same cloth. It's pretty crazy. Well, he said, he said it before the season. I mean, he, he said it on Instagram. I mean, I, you know, he, he basically said, you know, this is the, the dude right here. And I, I thought it was interesting he said it at the time because you still had Winslow on the roster um, who had been anointed by some. You know, this is supposed to be point justice year. And he just Remember the, the magazine cover of Wade? He, he, right, the magazine cover, cover of Wade. But he, and, and not only that, but look, you know, uh, you know Jimmy doing the, the, the Slam Magazine interviews with Hero and with Bam together. Yeah. Um, like I said, John Calipari deserves a playoff share. George, thanks yeah, for joining yeah. us. Hey, uh, one we'll, more thing. One yes, more thing before yes, you let me go. One more thing. Go ahead. One more thing. Where are all, uh, do you honestly believe this team would be there if Justice Winslow was still on this roster? Oh, my. No, I'll let you guys debate that. I got to get to Orlando. I'll, I'll, that's it. We'll save that for episode, you know, my seventh appearance. We'll save well, that for if, that. You can come back if they win the championship. You can. Uh, and, and we'll even talk Sixers for 10 minutes. I, I got to hit the road. So right, Otto, thank, thanks for finding a bucolic uh, setting there in the backward. Thanks for not yes. staying in the weeds too long on Solomon Hill. Uh, check out our sponsors, uh, of course, uh, Biscayne Bay Brewing. Also, some of the others we didn't mention today, youbreakwheelfix.com, our friend louispeters.com. Uh, if you're looking for someone to help you with insurance uh, and of course, safecubbies.com and more, we're going to be pumping out these episodes regularly. So make sure you subscribe, subscribe for free. It's not hard. And you'll find out by notification when we've posted again. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.